Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. on the pot. Salve, salve, sveki, moen, bongu, hello, or bloop, or however else you say hello, and welcome to VFTR 2.0. And yes, I did have a list of how to say hello in other languages pulled up. I am Chad, coming to you, of course, from the cave, and I am joined by my best friend and good buddy. They're two separate things, probably. And also the co-host with the mostest, it's, of course, we call him Big Baby Daddy Diesel. Mushy, mushy, Dadalak. I am here in Diesel's Dapper Dungeon of Delight. can never remember anymore. But anyways, I'm pretty delighted to be back on VFTR 2.0. Even though we did it last week, it still feels like it's been forever. It feels like there's a lot that's happened in just this last week. Yeah, pro wrestling's absolutely wild in 2022. Competition breeds interesting stuff, I guess, because this is uh, everything's just wild right now. Had a massive pay per view over the weekend. But let's not beat around the bush. We'll just jump right into that first segment. All right, time for the news, and it's going to be a very heavy pro wrestling episode because, yeah, pro wrestling's crazy right now. So, Diesel, news time. Okay, so as of recording 18 hours ago, Bray Wyatt started tweeting, and he first thing he tweeted was a new profile picture. It looks like a moth. Or a butterfly, or even maybe uh, it could be hinting at like a hybrid that is also like a firefly because it's Bray Wyatt, it wouldn't make sense. But in the like face of the insect is a scribbled out face of the fiend that's upside down, which is really, really interesting. Then Bray Wyatt went to tweet, and this is his tweet, I'm going to read it word for word. Well, first, also, he changed his Twitter name to Wyatt6, which is uh, heavy speculation to why he did that. But everything good that's ever happened to me first came a period horrible suffering. I never ask why. I just wait for the rough part to end. I was chosen for whatever reason, and I've got shit to do. It doesn't hurt anymore. It burns. I'm ready now. Then he has a red circle after that. So totally Bray Wyatt cryptic cryptic tweet and then right after he tweets i'm tired of watching tired of hearing irrelevant clowns speculate how i'll be perceived tired of hearing about my greed my desire questioned wherever and whenever i decide to return i'll remind everyone why they know my name again and again believe in me hashtag i found it 
And then finally, he tweeted, patience, it's almost time. So, obviously, the internet is uh, full of buzz because, like, what do these tweets mean? And it's been a while since he's tweeted, and there were some things back in April that were like, huh, like he tweeted about being part of the machine and, like, stuff like that. But these ones seem like his return is close. Like, him saying, like, I found it and I'm ready and all this stuff. It's, it's very interesting. But now the question is, where is he wrestling? Is he, he could possibly be going back to WWE. Like, because I know that you heard that he tweeted stuff, but he didn't. This is the first you're actually, like, hearing what he said. Yeah. Uh, speculation is because apparently he changed his uh, Twitter uh, handle or his name to Wyndham Six on or Wyatt Six on Monday, and Monday was six days away from Hell in a Cell, so that could be a sign that he's making his return at Hell in a Cell. But also the speculation. I got all this from Russell Talk. I didn't like. I'm not making this up or anything like that. But uh, they also speculate that. Uh, tonight on Dynamite, and everyone will know by the time they hear this episode whether it happens or not, but tonight on Dynamite is a big night because, for one, it's after uh, Double or Nothing, which they kind of consider the WrestleMania, even though I consider All Out to be the WrestleMania, but it's... For sure. I mean, they, they kind of consider all their pay-per-views to be the WrestleManias, honestly, but it's, it's a big night. They usually have big shows, like shows after the pay-per-view, because it starts up everything fresh, and also with the merger of uh, Warner and Discovery and the Discovery people basically like taking charge of everything, they're going to have like high up executives like at the show tonight. So a good way to like make them happy and maybe help with their future with their relationship is maybe debut probably the hottest wrestling free agent out there. I mean, I think that one's more unlikely. I think for some reason, I feel like it'd be more likely that he'd return to WWE. But like, I mean, I think it would be worth the money that he's asking to like try to secure a spot with TNT and TBS still. You know, I think that they would look at that and like, no, that's a pretty big deal that they signed this guy, you know, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on all this? So, yes, the only tweet that I had heard about was the patience. Um, I'll, it, it's coming soon, whatever. The third tweet in it. Uh, the other two tweets I hadn't heard about at all. And also the changing of the profile picture I hadn't seen. So, putting it all together, I think that as much as it would be interesting to see him in AEW or Impact even, I don't know if I feel like... I think I think he's going back to WWE. I think this is all been like I don't think it was a work or anything like that. I think they, you know, you know, separated over a contract and creative differences and things like that. But I think with Bray Wyatt, Vince does have a thing for Bray Wyatt. And I think that the WWE is kind of like yeah, the Cody Rhodes stuff is good, but this Hell in a Cell card, I don't even know what's on the card for the show at all. Besides Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes for already the third time. And Cody Rhodes has only been back since WrestleMania. 
So yeah. that's all I know about as well, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, so I don't like I feel the same way that it kind of feels more like he would go to WWE. And I'm not saying like he wouldn't be good in AEW. I just don't, I don't know. I don't feel like at this point in time, if he would have signed with AEW when his 90 day compete clause was up, that was like right before uh, CM Punk debuted, or maybe it was like right after CM Punk debuted, but right before Adam Cole and Brian Danielson. Like if he got in there at that time, I think it might have been a little different. But now with where everything's at with the House of Black and like that kind of stuff going on, and I don't know, it just doesn't feel like there's a place for him. In AEW at the moment, but I feel like he could step right back into the WWE universe and would be a perfect fit. My thing is, I really don't care where he goes. I will just be happy that he's back wrestling. Even if I don't watch WWE, I would still, and I did before he got released when he was on TV. Um, you know, granted, the last like six months or so, he was on TV like a couple weeks, but like I. I would go out of my way to watch his segments and the Firefly Funhouse and all that stuff. So, I mean, I would still do that because, like, I'm such a big fan of Wyndham Rotunda, not just, like, not just the characters he plays on TV, but, I mean, that's part of it because his characters have been some of the best wrestling characters in the history of the business. But, yeah, I would go out of my way to watch him if he was in the WWE. So I just want him back. I think the only real draw to trying to go with AEW would be the new power that AEW has with their parent company, with the Discovery Warner Brothers thing. Because Bray Wyatt is a very creative person, and the executives might be very interested in a guy like that, not even just for AEW, but, oh, you're working for AEW? Well, you could also be working for us like helping like with creative stuff and all that kind of stuff. Because I mean, it's now Warner Brothers plus Discovery. That's like a huge conglomerate of media power that encompasses like comic books and everything like that. And Bray Wyatt with his like creative horror mind would, you know, slot very well into a job like that. I think it'd be a bummer if he ended up in like control your narrative. Like, I mean, I haven't really, I haven't watched any of that. I know they've had a few shows. It's just, I just don't have any interest in it for some reason. It just doesn't like, I don't know. And you know, I like, I'm a big mark for EC3. I mean, I'm not Braun Strowman or Adam Shear or whatever you want to call him, Titan. Uh, never been the hugest fan of him, but I mean, I don't hate the guy either. It's, I don't know, but like, I don't know. This, this wrestling promotion just seems a little out there for me for some reason. And it just don't, doesn't draw interest for me. Yeah, I'm not down for control your narrative. And it's odd that we're both, because I don't really care about Braun Strowman or Adam Shearer or whatever it is, that he's a Wisconsin guy, and that we're just like, nah, I don't give a fuck. Like, he's been at, like, 20 Wisconsin shows, and I, I would not go any way out of my way to go to any of them for him. It's like, oh, cool. Well, Mate. if he's there, yeah, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, but I'm not going out of my way. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you. Um, that's why... I all the shows that he's wrestled in Wisconsin, we haven't been to one, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, it, this Bray Wyatt stuff is really interesting. And that like, it adds to the mystique of 2022 that started with Cody Rhodes, like all the way back in like February or like even 
that was more like January when they first reported that he was wrestling without a contract. And then when in February, he had his um, statement. He put out that he left AEW, which is still to me, June 1st, Cody Rhodes wrestling in WWE is still very weird to me. And I don't know if I like it. I don't. It's so weird still. It's, uh, yeah. But then now you had also moving under like our next news story, which is MJF, which like somehow this is crazier than the Cody story. Like you think that it would be really hard to top the Cody story with him being like a very big part of starting AEW and then going the first person to leave AEW to go to WWE. But some JF stuff is nuts because of like who he is and how he's always in character. And it's like, I want, I don't know what to believe because I could totally believe that this is a work, but like at the same time, it doesn't feel like a work, but that also makes me feel like we're being worked. And so I'm like, I'm so confused with this right now that like, I'm just, like every day I'm waiting for more news to see what happens. And apparently MJF is meeting with Tony Khan before dynamite. So we'll see if maybe they get something worked out. I don't know, but this is, this is a really interesting story. Well, from the reports that he's getting paid, like on the level less than a lot of like mid card guys and like, they're, saying, like, they're getting paid like five times more than him. Like, uh, yeah. like Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Adam Cole, like the guys that like joined last summer, getting like five times more than him and he's an original and he's pretty much carried the show since the beginning or been one of the people that has carried the show since the beginning and yeah so i mean i don't have an issue with his stance at all if it is for real yeah no we talk about all the time the pillars of you know wrestling companies and things like that and if Cody Rhodes was part of the foundation then MJF is one of the pillars that helped build AEW up and the fact that he's getting paid less than apparently guys like Mark Henry and Christian Cage, like, that's mind-boggling. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's getting paid pretty well. But when you're like, it's just like when you're talking about like NFL or any athlete contract, it's not about the actual dollar value. It's about where you're getting paid in comparison to the people around you and what you're contributing to the product slash team or whatever like that. And if literally MJF is not making as much as Mark Henry, whose major contribution is saying, we're ready for the main event on Friday Night Rampage, like, get fucked. Like, what I the hell? I totally agree. I mean, at least Christian wrestles. You know, Mark Henry isn't going to wrestle for AEW. And, like, I don't think that he should. But, like, really, what... I remember they signed him because he was going to be on the announced team for Rampage, and that went horribly. And now he's under contract, so they need him to do something. So, yeah, he does. I think he does, like, Dark or Dark Elevation or something like that, too. But, yeah, he does the interview before the main event, and nah, it's time for the main event, which, I mean, is super over. But, I mean, at the same time, you're paying him, like, millions of dollars just to say those words. When, yeah. So I agree. I, I'm totally behind him for making more money because he is easily, without a doubt, the best heel in the business. And the best heel in a long time. We talked about how The Miz is a great heel, but, I mean, MJF blows The Miz out of the water. 
yeah, his comparisons, but, but on that note though, like if MJF is going to leave AEW, like the what kind like he can't be MJF in WWE. Like they can't do what they did with Cody Rhodes. Like Cody Rhodes, the whole thing is cool because they literally took everything he was doing in AEW and because Cody Rhodes owns all of his own gimmick stuff, just went boop and just plopped it over into the WWE. They're like talking about it. MJF can't be MJF in WWE. And WWE is a publicly yeah. traded company. He tells yeah. one kid to fuck off one time. Dude, he's got to be fired. Like it's a publicly traded company. You can't do that kind of shit. Yeah. MJF will definitely be a watered down version of himself. He will be MJF still, but yeah, it'll definitely be watered down and not as good because he's not going to be able to get as much heat as he can in AEW because yeah, they basically just go out there and say whatever you want, like be racist, sexist, like call people fat and like rip up people's sign. Like they there's, the line is a lot closer in WWE than it is in AEW. So, yeah, you're right. And I think the most logical sense would probably be just to turn Cody Rhodes whole heel and then have them be some kind of faction together, kind of like the beginning of AEW, because that's another thing that makes it seem like it's kind of real because um, MJF is not a Tony Khan guy. He is a Cody Rhodes guy. Through and through, Cody Rhodes is the one who basically discovered him and put him on the map. Like, I didn't know who MJF was before Cody Rhodes put him on his YouTube channel and be like, check out this guy. He's going to be at all in. And then that's when that was the first time I ever found out about MJF. And then I started watching stuff and like watch interviews with them and watch some of his matches. And by the time we got to like uh, StarCast, I kind of knew who he was, like, but I didn't know, like, I know who he is now. But he, Cody's the reason MJF is MJF. So, of course, Cody's going to want, or of course, MJF's going to be want to be where Cody is. And I feel like this is probably real. But at the same time, I would not be surprised if MJF came out and Dynamite one week and be like, you guys are all stupid marks. And, like, I'd be like, yep, yep, like, that's why it's so good because he's such a good heel and always in character. This is Brian Pillman esque. Yeah, I just, I don't. Are we all getting worked? Is it a work? I it, it it could go either way. The up is down, down is up. We're all in the upside down. Been watching Stranger Things, so like maybe it is. But the thing, see, like it felt like at first the Cody thing was a work, but like if you look back and like compare them together, it's like it's much more likely that this MJF one is a work, but it's still, I don't think it is. I, I don't know where this is going to go. And what if they keep him off of TV? What if they just decide like, he doesn't want to wrestle anymore. And then like, fine, whatever. Well, you're under contract until January 1st, 2024. So you're going to be sitting for a year and a half. Like, what if that's what they come to? Like, I wonder if MJF is that stubborn because you know, in a year and a half, the WWE is going to pay him a shit ton of money. If he waited out his contract. Yeah, but if AEW does that, like, we have to eviscerate AEW. We eviscerate WWE for doing it all the time. Like, would Tony Khan do that? WWE would freeze his contract. I feel like Tony Khan would just, like, let his contract run out. I don't 
I don't, I doubt that it would go the full year and a half. I bet you eventually they'll come to terms or something like that. But uh, my hope is that they come to terms with a new deal and MJF gets the money that he's deserved because like we were talking about Bray Wyatt, probably the better fit for him is WWE. It's obvious the better fit for MJF is AEW. So yeah, I hope that they work out whatever they got going on. And like MJF is definitely a top guy and they, they would miss him if he left. Like, oh, yeah. cause like he is the perfect heel. We haven't had a heel like him in a really, really long time. And like, just it'd be a waste of MJF and WWE. I a hundred percent agree with you. And yeah, wrestling in 2022, like just all of this carousel of news stories of people moving and maybe moving and upset with contracts. It's just wild. Great stuff. Giving us so much content to cover. Gotta love it. But that's the news. All right. Well, it is time for hashtag TRT. And of course, because last week we did picks, this week we must talk about AEW's Double or Nothing. And yeah, it happened. It was there. It was a pay-per-view. And it for sure happened. I remember it. Yeah, my, like, I have a few gripes with this show. But, I mean, overall, like, I enjoyed the show. It's just, there's things about it that really kind of, like, made me enjoy it a little less. I mean, it's still, it was a good pay-per-view. It wasn't their worst pay-per-view ever. But my first thing is they need to really find a different, like, way to put their pay-per-view out there besides Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report is horrible. I mean, it's a good, like, site to get, like, sporting news. But, like, their streaming stuff is really bad. It took me an hour before I could even, like, get into the pay-per-view so i like couldn't even watch it live i had to rewind which caused me to be up even later which uh five hour show that's not fun (laughs) especially when you're tired and it was a long day but yeah so first thing is they need to like make it available on fight tv in america like it is internationally i don't know why we can't like i've never once had a problem with fight tv no, I've ordered so many pay-per-views off of Fight TV, and Fight TV handles so many other wrestling promotions, UFC, other sporting events. Like, their streaming streaming service is chef's kiss, all right? It's great. And instead, AEW, which is trying to hang with WWE, who just has all their stuff with the Peacock subscri- subscription, which is a, you know, a much bigger streaming service, and they're still sticking to this pay-per-view model, why use the subpar Bleacher Report? It sucks. You can't even use it on Xbox. So, like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, like, uh, Kerner has a relationship with HBO. I don't even, they might own HBO. I don't know. But, like, a lot of their stuff is on HBO Max. 
So like, even if you would still charge for the pay-per-view, you wouldn't give it away like WWE does with the subscription. Even if you charge $30, $40, even full price for the pay-per-view, it's going to be better quality, uh, better app. I mean, even though HBO Max isn't the best app, but like, I still feel like it would be better than Bleach Report. It's more accessible. You can get it on Xbox. You can get it on like every smart TV and it, I don't know. I feel like I wonder how long of a deal they signed with Bleacher Report. And I know that Turner owns that too, but like, it's just, they need, they need to move to a different thing. Cause it Bleacher Report is not working. Yeah, no, it's just, I don't care if you own it. If you want to compete with the other big dog, then you need to be on a much better pay-per-view thing. And being on HBO Max would make so much more sense. And another thing is my, the quality is like, I'll be watching the show and then all of a sudden the, the sound is off by like a second or two. And like, it's not the biggest deal like during a match, except for when the ref counts, because like sometimes a three count or two count does get a little confusing because you're watching his hands go down, but you're also hearing him hit the mat late. And it's like, what just happened there? I'm so confused. Did he kick out or what? But like, yeah. So, I mean, it does kind of make a difference. But like, once again, like on Peacock, that never happens. Like, like their production, like I know when they first started, they had issues with like uh, their servers, like blowing up basically. But like their, their production is still really good. And I mean, AEW has the money to do something better. Yeah, I really hate losing um, quality of either audio or picture. And losing picture quality drives me nuts. I hate when it just goes blurry. And I understand it's a streaming thing and that's what happens. But it doesn't happen when I'm watching shit on HBO or when I'm watching, you know, a WWE pay-per-view. So, you know, it's not my internet. So it's something else. (laughs) It's Bleacher Report because it sucks. Okay, well, we might as well get into the show. And did you watch the buy-in match at all? No, I, I had intentions of watching it today before we recorded, and then I just didn't. Well, it was nothing special. I mean, I mean, Hookhausen's cool, but uh, yeah, they beat Tony Nese and Mark Sterling in like five minutes, and it was cool because Hook suplexed uh, Mark Sterling and Danhausen got the pin. So that was fun. It was a fun little opener. The crowd is really hot for it because Hookhausen is over, which they should be because for some reason it is really awesome. It shouldn't be, but it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those weird things. It's it's not something I would show to people that I'm trying to get into pro wrestling because that's like way down the rabbit hole of pro wrestling. And I don't want that to be the first thing that people like see. Because then I'd be like, what the fuck is this, Chad? And I'm going to go, just, uh, just, just wait, later you'll get it. It's It's fun yeah. later. All right, well, the, the actual pay-per-view started with MJF versus Wardlow, which like we didn't even talk about this when we talked about the MJF news, is like they didn't even know if he was going to be there for this match. And he didn't show up until like halfway through the buy-in, like went right into his like changing room. Like most of the roster didn't even know he was there. And then uh, pay-per-view started. They hit his music. He wasn't even in the go position. That's what they call it in AEW, which is 
just call it Grillo. It's it's a better name. But uh, he better. wasn't even he wasn't even there like when his music hit, and they were like wondering like did he like leave again? Like that. I mean, I can only imagine like what Tony Khan was like going through during that moment. It's so, like what if he didn't show up? And like, what do they do? Yeah. This felt um, like an but, odd way to open the show as well. Like this was way like, and don't get me wrong. The opening spot is like a great spot on a pay-per-view card, but with the way this feud was built, this did not feel like an opening match at all. Like this is at least like the mid match, like before we go to like the mid show piss break or like near the top of the card. Like as an opener, I just didn't like love it. I mean, the way the match went, maybe I can like agree with you there. But like as the build, this was probably the most overbuild. Like, I mean, it they went with the slow burn build for this for sure. It's been going building for like a year and a half, which is awesome because you knew it was always going to get to this point where Wardlow was going to turn face on MJF. But like they went and like they teased it and they teased it and they teased it and they did it the right amount of times. They didn't like overly do it. And then when they finally did it against CM Punk, when he's like, oh, oh, here's the ring and just slides it into the ring to CM Punk. Like it was like, it was a great moment. Um, It was. So I think the build like definitely necessitated it being in the opener, but the match didn't really deliver what they've done with the build, but I think that also has to do with a lot of real life stuff that's happening. Yeah. Um, I did like MJF's uh, robe that he's wearing. It was kind of like a Ric Flair robe, but then he had wings, which I thought was uh, pretty sweet. Like Very MJF, and, yeah, that too. MJF and his like entrance gear is always awesome. Um, I also enjoyed the cage match on Dynamite with Wardlow and Sean Spears and MJF and his Shawn Michaels guest referee like stuff. That was that was pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, this match it was a squash match, which I didn't. I mean, it kind of makes sense that it would be a squash match, but I didn't expect it to be a squash match. Wardlow hit ten power bombs, and yeah won the match basically that was really it and then they uh um put mjf on a stretcher put the like face mask mask over his his eyes yeah Yeah. and then uh, mjf immediately left the building so i'm like just yeah that was definitely done to like write him off and i mean a lot of people are saying that it was to bury him i don't think it was to bury him it was to kind of like he might not be on TV for a little while. We need to do something. So like we have a reason why he's not on TV and then we're going to behind the scenes, try to work this out. I don't think it was a burial in the least. It actually worked for the story because think about how much Wardlow is over after all of this, like Wardlow, he could face CM Punk tonight on dynamite and it'd be like, this is legit. Yeah, but still, I don't know i think this match and it being the opener i know you said this build necessitated it being the opener but i think in a world where mjf's already signed to a contract they keep building this match throughout the night of the pay-per-view like you literally have little vignettes of you know wardlow like in the back like destroying things getting ready for this match you have mjf like 
trying to like shenanigans his way out of this match still or like prepping like you know the diamond ring and everything because it was too well built to be the opening contest and like it just this had too much story implications the opening match i feel should be yeah it can be a great feud but it should be a match that you know is going to be like high flying or like a great like pop kind of thing this as a squash match and yeah hindsight's 2020 just fed more into the mjf is leaving like this felt like in a perfect world this wouldn't have been a squash match like mjf would have gotten in at least a little offense like mjf's hung with everyone else and wardlow is you know great and powerful but if mjf could hang with everyone else on the roster but gets absolutely squashed by Wardlow, then what does that say about everyone else on the roster that MJF's already hung with? Yeah, I mean, you do make good points. I have uh, like a statement and a question. Um, If I'm going to go with my statement first, this match should have been what the – it should have been – but the Anthony Agogo versus Cody Rhodes match was like, this is Anthony Agogo should have beat Cody Rhodes like this. Yeah. And that wasn't 100%. the opening match. And like, yeah, a, a squash match does fit better in the card in the middle rather than at the beginning. I do agree with you there. If it was MJF would have got some offense in and like would have been more of a competitive match. Like that's what I meant by this match necessitated to be the opener with the way it was built, but the way they did it, it was definitely a misfire, but like real life implications, but they could have always changed the card. But I mean, maybe MJF like also said like, we need to do this first. Cause I want to get the fuck out. You know, they made an agreement earlier in the day that I'll wrestle this match, but I'm showing up and then going out there, we're doing it. And then I'm leaving. This match was like seven minutes long. It wasn't even very long. So I don't know. That could have been something too, but yeah, I, I don't know. But I mean, my question for you is what match would you have put as the curtain jerker then from this card? I would have actually opened with the house of black versus death triangle. Okay. I mean, that was definitely like, I I don't have a problem with the placement of that match either. No, but I mean, no, I, I don't, but no, I just no, think no, 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 that no, would have been a fantastic opener. Well, I mean, I understand what you're coming with that, like start the like show on fire, yeah. But like, I mean, if things would go would have gone to plan, like and like we MJF match would have went differently, like that was the perfect spot for that match. But like, yeah, but like you're right, it would have been better if they would have moved that to the opener. I agree with you. Um, I feel like I had another question for you, but I don't, I don't remember what it was. But anyway, so yeah, that was. That was that. And the next match was like a dream match. It's happened before. We got to see it in Ring of Honor. They got to see it in a ladder match, which is even better, which was one of the best ladder matches like ever. Um, but it was the Hardy Boys versus Young Bucks and accompanied with the thong wearing Brandon Cutler, which I thought, thought, no, no, never mind. That was on Rampage. That was Rampage. That was, that was a nice touch when they were like Hardy Boy cosplaying. Like, that was nuts. Like when they were doing all their moves, it looked like the Hardy Boys were actually wrestling. That, that was, it was nuts. wild. 
But uh, <laughs> this match, actually, in my opinion, really didn't live up to the hype. Like, I don't know, like, if Jeff Hardy is hurt or, like, I just was weird. Like, I really was, like, excited for this match. And maybe it's just because it, you're wearing your rose-colored glasses because it's the Hardys and the Young Bucks. The Hardys are getting older, and they're not the Hardys of, like, even five years ago. But when they had that ladder match. But it was an okay match. I think that... I think that the Hardys did have to win this match, though. I think they did. They made the right call. Yeah. Um, this match is the first of multiple matches on this card that I looked at and I watched. And I went, it feels like it could have been a Dynamite main event. And I don't know if it's because the Hardys are in, um, you know, higher ages or if it is because we've seen them do this before and much better. Or it is because apparently a lot of reports are coming out that Jeff Hardy is right now battered and bruised after that Darby Allen match still and is basically being held together by, you know, steno tape and, you know, ibuprofen because they could just bodies just breaking down because this match just kind of it wasn't great. It was fine for what it was. The Bucks tried to hold it together, but it just it didn't feel like the Bucks versus Hardy should and yeah the hardys winning was i get it get you know a nice nostalgic win for the hardys they just came back together also though the bucks didn't need the win i don't know i also feel like this could have been you know the bucks beat the hardys and then we don't have to see the hardys anymore (laughs) or the bucks beat the hardys and it kind of opens up the um the Matt Hardy's, uh, what's it called? I can't remember anymore. The deletion universe? Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, it opens that up again or something like that. But, I mean, I don't know. I agree with you. There's four matches on this card that I believe they could have put on Dynamite or, like, one of their, like, special Dynamites, like, Winter is Coming or, like, Beach Bash or whatever. Uh, Like, all those, like, special ones that they hype up are, like, mini pay-per-views. These could have been on those cards rather than on a pay-per-view. And I think that was a huge misstep that they they put 12 matches on their main card. And, like, I really think four of them didn't belong on this card. And this was one of them. It was an okay match. Not pay-per-view worthy. I mean, the build wasn't even that long. It was, like, three weeks or something like that. It just it would have been better on TV. You're exactly right. And there was just really nothing they were fighting for. Which, yeah, once again, it was a quote-unquote dream match. But it's a dream match that we've seen a bunch of times. So since there was nothing really on the line, like, it just, yeah, it, it, was a, it felt like a dynamite match. Well, the next match was also a match that I felt like could have been on Dynamite or even Rampage. And that was for the AEW-TBS championship match. And it was Jade Cargill versus Anna Jay. And I just felt like these two women did not, like, mesh in the ring together. It felt really clunky. And this match, I don't know. It wasn't because either of them are bad wrestlers. Jade Cargill's still a little green. But it just, their styles didn't work. And it kind of, it was a slow match. And it just... I don't know. And then the whole thing with uh, Mark Sterling 
and the baddies and stuff like that. And now is Mark Sterling out? Because after the match came out uh, Stokely Hathaway. Malcolm Bivens. Yeah. And which I'm all for him, like managing them and everything like that. But it's kind of if they need to have a way to write uh, Mark Sterling out of being Jay Cargill's manager. So hopefully they do that. But like, as if this was it, just because he fucked up and then they just decided, well, it's going to fire him. Yeah. That's all it's going to yeah. do. That they're going to just literally wash it away by going, you're That's fired. That's okay. That's okay. As long as it's in a segment, you know what I mean? That's okay. But like, if they, this is the end of it, just from this like pay-per-view angle, it's, I think it's dumb. But if you noticed, uh, Mark Sterling's like lining was like Riddler. It was like purple with the green question marks. When he fell over, I saw it for a split second. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I did not notice that. But uh, this match was meh. But I did also like the fact that Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon, uh, made her debut, which is pretty cool. She's going to be a great addition to the women's division. That like to have a bunch of women, but now they need to start doing better. I mean, they did have three women's matches on this card and an intergender tag. So like they are, they're trying, I'll give them that. They're trying. They are, they are trying, but yeah, this match, I, I do agree. I, I don't know if they just couldn't get the plan together or yeah, they just didn't like, they couldn't get the timing down, but this match was like quite clunky at points and all the shenanigans that occurred during the match were just we've seen it a bunch of times like yeah i get it john silver's your you know boyfriend and he comes out and runs people off and where was he at the end whenever when malcolm bivens came out where why can't he help you the second time it's not like max sterling is gonna keep him busy it's johnny hungry like what the hell and then just i feel it, this is another thing that i feel like we've seen this before and then final point is with both the TBS and the TNT championships, they feel like television titles to me. Like I don't want them on the pay-per-views. I know that they're the secondary belt. Like, yeah, but it's because the way they've made them, like they've just been hot potato in the TNT belt. It feels meaningless. The TBS championship feels a little stronger because it's only been one champion and they've made Jade feel strong, but yeah, it, doesn't necessarily need to be on the pay-per-view i agree with you there and it's, it's not the, even like a demotion like, i feel like it should always be the main event of like a dynamite uh or the rampage like that also makes those shows feel special but that being said at the last pay-per-view uh jade cargill versus ty conti was a banger of a match and like that was definitely pay-per-view worthy. So I mean, I don't know. I, I guess it, it depends. It depends on what card you're putting out there too. Like if you need an extra match, I can see throwing that in there because it's a title match. But this card didn't need it. That's for sure. But and I, I wasn't a big fan of the whole aftermath. Like I liked the debuts, but like I don't like what they're doing with Chris Statlander. Like she's always just like part of somebody else's feud. It's like, and then when she does get a shot, she gets buried or like she gets like, yeah. And I don't know. And so I don't like that she came out to Anna Jay's like saber because like, I want her to be going for the like TBS championship or the women's championship rather than just being a part of everyone else's feuds. It's so, I mean, that's pretty much the whole thing that I have with the aftermath. 
Yeah. I, I, I was cool with the debuts, but I felt like this was also just quite sloppy in delivery. Like, yeah, cool that Malcolm Bivens is now there and also Athena, but why? Like, why did Athena come out to help out, you know, Chris Statlander and uh, Anna Jay? And why is Malcolm been. Bivens now in, you know, the baddies employ? I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The whole thing would have been better on tonight's Dynamite. Yeah. The whole 100%. thing. Everything about it. It did not need to be on the pay-per-view. But the next match was Death Triangle versus the House of Black, which a lot of people have as their match of the night. I I haven't decided what my match of the night. This is definitely up there. This match was badass. It was all over the place. I mean, it wasn't the most all over the place match on the card. We'll get to that one later. But uh, this one was a lot of flippy shit and a lot of like strong style. And it was everything that I like in a wrestling match. The only thing that sucks is like, they had stretched this rivalry out for so long. Like it didn't hurt this match at all. It just like, this was meant to happen months ago. And that's why with the end, uh, when pack was going to hit the black mass, uh, or not, not black mass, the black arrow, uh, Julia styles came out and missed him in the face, which finally she's with the house of black. But like we talked about last week, She's a weird person to be a part of that group. She really is. I mean, it makes sense storyline wise by what everything they did, and it may be a dollar or maybe a day late and a dollar short. I'm glad they did it, but yeah, it's just she's so odd as the last or the newest member of it. And in some ways, it does now because it took so long feel a little bit like shots like returned for Rhea Ripley being in Judgment Day. It does kind of, but yeah, I don't think that, I think. I don't think it is at all. Yeah, 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 no, no, but no, it does. You're right in a way, but like it also, I don't know. And then is this feud over? Because it should be over because of how long they stretched it out. But also it feels like with the way Death Triangle lost, like they either have to like try to get their win back or they have to break up or something like that. Like they have to like implode within because they couldn't beat the house of black or something. Like, I don't know. It kind of leaves it in a weird spot because I don't want to see them continue this feud because it's been going on since the beginning of the year. And like, I want to see house of black do more stuff. Like, cause it feels like this has really held them back and they're meant to do like bigger, cooler things. Not saying that this wasn't cool. It's just with what their gimmick is, like they're going to start like destroying shit. And like, yeah. I'm excited. I feel like it's, uh, we, this feud has to be over. And now give me Malachi Black going against CM Punk for the world championship. Oh, goddamn. That would be one hell of a match. Exactly. Oh, and sure. you have the whole House of Black thing to like try and corrupt CM Punk. Yeah. And then CM Punk secretly is uh, like putting together his own faction. Like that's what's happening. I have a feeling that like CM Punk is working by the scenes and I I bet you uh, two of those members are going to be FTR. Just just calling it. 
especially since they celebrated with them like after the show went off air. So I'd be fine with that. CM Punk and FTR faction. I, I wouldn't be opposed. Um, the next match was the first finals of the Owen Hearts Foundation tournament match or finals. It was uh, the men's match. It was Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe. And I mean, this match wasn't anything like special, but it was cool because these guys have never faced off against each other before. And like both of them got all their stuff in. It was just, it was a fun match, which I do think this match deserved to be on the card because of the the tournament. Like, maybe not next year, but it's the inaugural one. I feel like to make a big deal of it, you you should always do, like, tournaments like this. The inaugural one should be on your big shows for the finals. And with Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe, that's a big-time match in my opinion. But Adam Cole ended up winning with the boom after uh, Bobby Fish distracted Samoa Joe. And I'm fine with it. I knew Adam Cole was going to win the second he walked out and he was wearing pink. But (laughs) Yeah, the attire definitely felt like it gave away the ending of the match. But I I do agree because it was the inaugural one. It had to be on the pay-per-view. And I know Joe's getting up there in age. But... I don't know. This match was, yeah, it was fine. It was fun. But it just for it being Samoa Joe's, Joe versus Adam Cole, I guess my brain wanted more. And for it to end once again with shenanigans, which I know is generally Adam Cole's shtick, but I think it could have had Adam Cole go over clean in this match over Samoa Joe and it not really been that big a deal. Yeah, I mean... For an Adam Cole match, it was clean. Like, Bobby Fish didn't really get involved. He just came out and, like, he just caused the distraction. But, I mean, so it's cleaner than a normal Adam Cole finish. But I get it. I kind of feel like – and you know that we're both big Adam Cole marks. I kind of feel like maybe he wasn't the right guy to win this tournament. I liked my idea last week of him facing Kyle O'Reilly. I feel like Kyle O'Reilly, especially also Kyle O'Reilly being Canadian, like, I don't know. It just makes more sense. And, like, Kyle O'Reilly, his, like, megastardom, like, is, in my eyes, like, as big as Adam Cole's. Like, it never used to be that way. Like, I used to think Kyle O'Reilly was boring, but, like, now, like, I like him a lot. And I think that, they're both top guys in this company that are going to be feuding for that title. And I'm all right with that. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agreed with you last week that it was, we did it before Adam Cole had, or Pat Kyle O'Reilly had lost to Samoa Joe, which that was a good match. That was a good match. I did enjoy that one. Probably a little bit more than I enjoyed this match. Yeah. Adam Cole didn't need this win here. And then it definitely gave away the ending of this next match on the card. It did, but I didn't want to buy into it because, like, I called it because we didn't know either competitor when we made our picks last week. And so I called each of them being Britt Baker and Ruby Soho. But I also said that Ruby Soho was going to win because they've been teasing this, like, win for ever since she debuted. And I, my favorite part about this whole match was the 
the video at the beginning when they're basically talking about how Ruby Soho is always there, but she can't win the big one. And like, they're really turning her into like an ultimate underdog. And I, I can finally see what they're doing with her. And I like it. Like, cause she is, when she does win that big one, it's going to feel like awesome. And uh, just, but after she wins it, it's going to be the same as Hangman Page. It's going to be like, okay, well, we need to get the title off of her again. But, like, when she does win it, it's going to be a good feeling. Um, like, you know me. I didn't like her very much when she was Ruby Riot. I had a nickname for her. But, like, ever since she's been in AEW and she's been in Ruby Soho, even though she hasn't changed much, there's just something different about her. I don't know. Maybe it's just the atmosphere or maybe it's just the – the division and the wrestlers that she's been wrestling. I'm definitely becoming more of a fan of hers. And I was kind of, and it's weird. I wanted her to beat Britt Baker and like Britt Baker is probably my favorite in the women's division in AEW, but uh, Ruby Soho did put on a horrible sharpshooter. That's what you want to call it. Yeah, <laughs> but, it was rough. That was a rough one. Uh, that, this match is actually, this was a contender for match of the night too. Like surprisingly, it was better than I even thought it was going to be. Uh, it was definitely better than the men's match. And I mean, it, it's okay that Britt Baker won, but like, once again, you knew she was going to win because she was wearing pink. They should have just made everybody wear pink. Yeah. Like, they like if just they would have had both like some pink elements to their gear in both matches, then it would have been up in the air. The minute they were wearing pink and the fact that Adam Cole had already won, like I, I was, I was Simon Miller from What Culture. I was watching Ups and Downs, and he goes, "Can you imagine if it was Adam Cole standing next to Ruby Soho on that presentation stage with Adam Cole dressed in like the pink and looking like, oh yeah, the Owen Hart, and then Ruby Soho in her attire? That just you can't imagine that AEW would have done that." So then, right after the women's final, they uh, presented the winners with the trophy. Or what? What they're gonna engrave their and, trophy. Trophy and the and the belts. They I guess they don't get to keep the trophy, but they get the belts and the belts. They're some pretty nice belts. I'll give you that. But this segment was twenty minutes of like nonsense that they could have done like a ten minute like segment on dynamite. They didn't need to do it on this card. And then the most like cringeworthy part for me is Adam Cole and Britt Baker were heels out of character and i know that shouldn't be that big of a deal like outside of like the wrestling like show like when you're like doing stuff like in real life it's okay for me if you're not in character and stuff like that but like when you just were a heel in the ring and all of a sudden you're definitely not being your character anymore and just it was really awkward for me martha hart went way too long did not know how to work a wrestling crowd and I just like the whole time I'm like just get to the next fucking match already. I was getting pissed off. It was 20 minutes of bullshit that they did not need to have on this five hour fucking show. Yeah, it was. Once again, this is another thing that felt like this could have been a how you open dynamite. Like this is not like a big deal. You could have like the you know Heart Foundation starting out this presentation of the belts and the cup. Like, this should not have been on the pay-per-view. Like, you should have done it, of course. Yes, this is very important. But you shouldn't have done it on the pay-per-view. I agree. It would have been better. Like, WWE is good at that stuff. They wait till Raw, 
and then like in the middle of the like episode they present like whatever you know whatever they want to do they'll have like a championship celebration like i think they handle that situation perfectly they don't do it like right there like they give it some time to breathe you get to do this whole video package like you can present it in a totally different way than doing it immediately after and like plus it when you have a five-hour fucking show you don't need this 20 minutes of nonsense like let's get to the point yeah, uh, moving on to the next match was was is the third match that did not need to be on this show. It could have been on like uh, Super Dynamite or regular Dynamite or even Rampage for all I care. I don't, it was the the intergender uh, six person tag match, which I mean was okay. Uh, Paige Van Zant isn't there yet for wrestling, which is cool. I'm not like giving up on her or anything like that i'm actually pretty jacked that she's part of AEW, but like this match was made on friday on rampage like they just decided like in the middle of rampage that they're gonna challenge they're gonna finally give them the six-man tag match after uh they broke into what you call it uh america's top team and stole their belts yeah it doesn't make sense that frankie kazarian is with um, Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti because he's a face and he was wrestling as a face. He got into it with them in the match. I, I don't and understand. Now he can't ever challenge for the TNT championship. Yeah. And he just totally like fucked himself over. Like, yeah. like for one, they don't use Frankie Kazarian enough. And then to use him in this way is like kind of like stupid. This match took like 10 minutes or like something like that, that once again, we didn't need on the card and it wasn't even like a great match. You know, it was like, I'm okay with uh, Scorpio Sky being the champ, TNT champ. Yeah. I'm definitely okay with Sammy Guevara not being able to challenge. I think it's only they can't challenge as long as Scorpio Sky is the champion, which is better than ever, I guess. Yeah. But like, uh, I do like the new belt. I like that it's like Laker themed. It makes sense. I like that they changed the belt for the champion a lot of the time too. But once again, this match did not deserve to be on the card. No, didn't make any sense why this match, this felt like a dynamite main event. Not even a super dynamite. This felt like a dynamite main event that you could have had on TBS. And the coolest thing about this match, honestly, was the fact that the Ty Conti was dressed up as Maleficent. Like, honestly, that was the coolest part of the whole damn match. Like, that's anything else in this match, whatever. Now you're, like, I get it. Now, hopefully, they do something with Scorpio Sky, and we can move on. And it didn't make sense that the alignment either, because, like, America's top team or, like, uh, whatever, uh, men of the year, they're... Uh, their heels, bunch of dicks. Like they were, they were faces for one minute to like win back a TNT title, and now they're heels again. But Paige Van Zant feels like she's a face, and then the other way is uh, Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara heels, and then Frankie Kazarian's a face. It just didn't work at all in any way. They tried to like, couldn't they put a heel on Sammy Guevara's team, like just a random heel, like. They have a huge roster. Like, I don't know I why it was Frankie Gazarian. Was it just to get Frankie Gazarian a paycheck? Like, is that like the whole reason? Or at least turn him heel. 
Like he could have turned on Scorpio Sky, and like you know, I don't know. It just I don't even know how he got involved. Like I know that he had the title match against Scorpio Sky, but I don't even know how he got involved in being with Sammy and Ty. Like uh, doesn't make any sense at all. It was stupid. Hell, they shouldn't even have done it at all. It didn't even need to be a Dynamite main event. Like find a better way to debut Paige Van Zandt. Yeah, hundred percent. Like Tiger with Shaq or something like that. <laughs> I'd be down, man. Shaq went for it when he faced Cody. And what the hell? He disappeared in that fucking ambulance. Where did he go? Why didn't they like tell us what happened? Like they opened oh. the door and he was gone. He was like, uh, Kazam. What a horrible movie. Anyways, oh. the next match is the fourth and final match that I would not have on this card. And it's not because it wasn't a good match, because it was a good match, but there was no build to it. Once again, on Friday night on Dynamite, they just randomly put this Darby Allen Kyle O'Reilly match on the card because Kyle O'Reilly took out Sting. It's a great reason to like start a feud, but like this could have been on next week's rampage. It didn't like this isn't even dynamite worthy yet. And it's like another 10 minutes wasted because. I mean, it was a good match, but and it's kind of surprising that Kyle O'Reilly is the winner. Like Darby Allen feels like he's been knocked down a peg since some of these guys have come over. And in the pecking order, you can tell that Kyle O'Reilly is uh higher, which is kind of interesting if you think about it, because Darby Allen is again one of those pillars of AEW that we talked about. Yeah, I don't this is the weirdest thing. I this I don't know why you're adding matches to an already just bloated card. I think if I had one thing to really like fully encapsulate my thoughts about AEW, like this pay-per-view, it would be self-editing. Because there is so much on this card that didn't need to be there, that didn't need to get us to be in a five-hour card. Because I can go up to about four hours. Five hours for like Wrestle Kingdom. Like, and maybe, you know, Dominion. But most time for a pro wrestling show, like four hours is the absolute maximum. And I feel like this show could have been like three and a half to four hours. Okay. Yeah. Comment on what you just said. New Japan shows are mainly straight wrestling with a little bit of storyline sprinkled in here and there. Like, a quarter of this show had nothing to do with wrestling at all. Like New Japan five hour show, they're giving you straight action for five straight hours. There was a bunch of like bullshit on this show that didn't need to be on it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, New Japan sometimes makes my heart go. But yes, this Kyle O'Reilly match just, I, once again, good match, but did not need to be on the show. Like, what is this? Why? Why was this added? They could have built this up to like all out. Or even maybe even Forbidden Door. Like, I mean, they don't have to have like specifically all New Japan versus AEW matches. Like they could they could have waited to have this like match. And like it should have shouldn't have just started at this pay-per-view. It was just yeah. And I'm like, I'm excited that they're probably starting a rivalry, but like it's just bad timing to just like throw it right on the card. Like you didn't need and I get you want to get both these guys on the card, but like Sometimes people have to sacrifice, you know, it sucks, but yeah, you're not going to get you a payday. You can't put everyone on, on your pay-per-view card every time. And that's the reason why they used to have the Battle Royal. 
Like, why don't they just do a battle royal so they can get more people on the card, take a couple of these other matches off there. Everyone loves a good battle royal, especially when you throw in a joker. Bam. Problem solved. I don't know what 20 Count was drinking or smoking or MJF really got in his head or something. I don't know what happened, but 20 Count's all over the place right now. Did you just sidebar? Sidebar. Did you see his press conference after Double or Nothing? No, I did not. Oh, my God. He was flying off the rails. Like, he was uh, – someone asked him about uh, the comments that Eric Bischoff made about uh, CM Punk being a financial flop. Uh, you need to watch it. Like, I can't even do it justice. But he's, like, saying it's fucking bullshit. He's like, this fucking guy won the Friday Night Wars. He fucking did this. He fucking did that. He's like, it's bullshit. And, like, he was very passionate about it. And CM Punk's just sitting right next to him, just looking at him and just doing – CM Punk shaking his head, you know, like, yep, he's right about everything he's saying. Like, but no, like, I like Tony Khan, but he, he's going to die, like, of heart attack or something like that, because that guy gets, like, fired up. Remember when we went to Dynamite last year, and he screamed, hello, Wisconsin? Like, I thought his head was going to pop off. (laughs) No, he's, he's absolutely insane. He's, he's for sure Vince McMahon, like, 2.0. He's, He's the new Vince McMahon. Like that's that's who he is, and it's great for wrestling. But we're gonna get to his watch his roller coaster of a. His facial expressions are priceless. Like when he made the Ring of Honor purchase announcement in the ring, he was doing that like thing where he's like looking around. Like I was yes. laughing my ass off. I love that guy. Yeah, Way I, better than Nick Khan. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't wait. I hope he's. Uh, Comes out and says, hello, Wisconsin, again, when we uh, go to the show. Dude, I hope the main event of Forbidden Door is Tony Khan versus Nick Khan. (laughs) Now, that would be a Forbidden Door that is open. Right? Right? It's a squash match. Tony Khan's going to lose for sure. For (laughs) sure. Nick Khan is going to cut him. That's it. Right? Uh, Okay. (laughs) Back to the card. And uh, here's a match that definitely needed to be on the card. And it was a good match as well. And it was Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. And I would be happy to see this match again sometime down the road because Serena Deeb's been a badass like these last, I don't know, nine months since she's lost the NWA championship. And like her Sheeta feud might have went a little too long, but like, it was still like the matches were really good and this match was really good and Thunder Rosa is a good champion, but I have a feeling like with the way that they're booking her that she might get stale because she's not wrestling enough. Like she just does those promos with Tony Schiavone and Dynamite. It's like have her do something else because it's like I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of what happened to Hangman. Like he for a while there, all he was doing his promos. And, I feel like when but, I mean, you're, he uh, was a, he did wrestle a lot too, I guess. But I feel like when you're a babyface champion, you have to basically constantly defend the belt. And I feel like uh, Thunder Rosa. This is actually one of my favorite matches on the entire card. I won't lie. I would definitely put it top three of the entire show. But I really think that Thunder Rosa needs to be more of like a work woman champion, where she's defending the belt like every other dynamite. Because I think that's really the draw of Thunder Rosa. Like, Thunder Rosa is just one hell of a wrestler. And don't get me wrong, she's good on the mic and everything, but now she just constantly says the exact same thing over and over with these Tony Schiavone promos. And it's just it's just drawing on and on. Like, just have her wrestle. 
just have her wrestle every other week. You have once again a very big roster and you have a ranking system. So have her just start, you know, ticking off boxes. All right, number one. Oh, you lost. All right, new number one. All right, you lost until, you know, she finally gets beat because she wrestles too much and she's just worn down. I'll be fine with that. Maybe even pull the John Cena United States title open challenge. Yeah, that'd be fun. Something like that. And like do what they were doing kind of at the infancy of the TNT championship and like have people from other companies challenge. And that's how Ricky Starks and Eddie Kingston like got their contracts because they originally challenged Cody for the TNT title. Well, like, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, Yeah. And at this point of the show, I remember I'm like, okay, let's get to the CM Punk hangman page match. Let's go to bed. And then I realized there's still two matches before that. I was like, are you fucking serious? And I'm like, and these two matches are going to be long matches because they're five on five and then a three on three. So I'm like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, here we go. Um, luckily, they were actually really good matches. So I can't complain with what like, the end of the show. Yeah. The last three matches were. Like, this was probably the strongest part of the show. If they could have, like, chopped out some of that middle, this show would have had a really fucking strong ending. It's just, like, it was so long by the end of it, you're just like, it should have been over already. But, like, but this next match was the Anarchy in the Arena match, which I didn't know what to expect, and it was everything I wanted and more. Like, I loved the fact that uh, Jericho Appreciation came out as a boy band. Like, <laughs> I loved the entrance of the other guys, like where they all came out of the John Moxley entrance and to his music. And so then just the kept music playing just the kept fucking playing. song. Yeah. That, like, at first, I'm like, are they going to turn it off? And then, like, when it went all the way through, I'm like, is it just going to stop? Nope. It restarted. And I'm like, I'm okay with this. This feels right. And then when Jericho, like, broke the sound box, like, it just, it was good stuff. Everybody bled. It was yeah. all over the place, like so many cutscenes to like everything. It was anarchy, like it was as advertised, and like I loved every minute of it. It was a great match, and then the ending with Eddie Kingston, this bloody mess, coming down with the gasoline, like one of this is one of my favorite things I've ever seen in wrestling. Like just that image of this crazy man with gasoline, bloody mess. <laughs> And then he just pours it all over uh, Jericho, Jericho while he's in the lapel lock and uh, gets all over Brian Danielson and they start fighting. And then eventually I think the right team won with the way it ended. Like it was, that was the perfect ending for this match and Jericho appreciation society got the win. This was totally sports entertaining. Like <laughs> what it was meant to be. It was something that the WWE couldn't do. And yeah, like this was everything, like I said, everything I wanted and more. Like I didn't know what to expect and I couldn't expect it anymore. Like it was awesome. I had such low expectations for this match just because I honestly haven't enjoyed the stadium stampede matches. Like I just sucked. (laughs) They sucked. Like I did not like them. And I was like, oh, fuck, we're in for another stadium stampede. And I was like, well, my only thought was, if it's terrible, like I think it's going to be, at least we're done with them. I don't have to, they'll they'll finally cut this from the show. But guess what? I was fucking wrong. Because this was just pure, absolute, actual chaos. And Diesel, you put it perfectly. 
this is something the WWE couldn't do for once. The Stadium Stampede matches, while terrible, just looked like shittier WWE, like, hardcore matches. Like, they were just not great. This, this was balls-to-the-walls, like, chaos kind of, like, independent wrestling, like, ramped up to 11. And then with the budget. 2010. Yeah. (laughs) And then with the budget of an actual like major pro company. So you had all these crazy spots with, yeah, like the soundboard and everything that's happening. And then with the ending and Danielson literally passing out and then getting into it with Kingston beforehand about being dumped gasoline on because the bloody mess of King. Yeah, you're right. Just This is another thing. I'm not showing this to people. I'm trying to get into pro wrestling because they're once again, going to look at me and go, are you okay? Do you need to talk to someone, Chad? And I probably do. But that's neither here nor there. But this was just awesome. It was so much fun. And yeah, Jericho Appreciation Society had to win. This is the sports and entertainment match. Like if you would have told me like last week when we were making our picks that Eddie Kingston's gonna come down to the ring, a bloody mess with a gallon, a five gallon thing of gasoline, I'd be it like probably cost yeah, him a thousand dollars. I'd be like, I believe it. Like I wouldn't put it past them. Like, but like I would have never imagined like when watching this match, that was going to be the ending. Like, he was going to light him on fire. Like, he's a, he was going to be like, fuck you being a wizard. I'm a fucking arsonist. <laughs> like, yeah. And then especially with all the times we've had fire, like, constantly. Like, I was like, do they have, like, a fire spot planned here where Jericho's going to, like, shoot a fireball somehow? I, I didn't know it was going to happen. Once again, I shouldn't love the Jericho wizard gimmick but it is fucking awesome. Like it's I like how he so just terrible. It's throws great. the fireball in someone's face. It's like I'm a wizard. And like just hugs away. Like, it makes me laugh every awesome. time. It's so stupid. <laughs> it makes no sense. Why is Jericho like all of a sudden have the power to throw fireballs at people? Like I just think of the fucking Harry Potter movie. You're a wizard, Jericho. Oh man, this match. I don't know. This match was like you can't put it as match of the night because it wasn't really a match. But like, holy shit, what a what a fun time it was! So like, this what was a, a fun twenty minutes compared to the Martha Hart stuff. Yeah, this was way better than the Martha Hart stuff. I won't deny that. That that is without question. And then the next match was finally the penultimate match of the night, and it was a six or no. Three triple threat tag team match for the tag team championships, which was kind of the same exact match we got at uh, last pay per view Revolution. It was Revolution in December, full gear. Yeah, last pay was full gear. It was pretty much a rehash of the match we got at full gear with just two different tag teams, uh, taking on Jungle Express. But that being said, this match was a banger and like. It was awesome. It was Team Taz, Jungle Express, or Jurassic Express, and Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, and it. It's hard to follow up an Anarchy in the Arena match, but like they still got the crowd into this match, and I really, I liked the finish, and I'm glad that uh, Jurassic Express are still the tag team champions, and every time. Like they win a match like this, that makes their run like feel like super strong. Like, because at the beginning, when they just like they kind of just put them on them because Phoenix got hurt, and then 
Like, so they kind of felt like not great tag champs, but they've been doing a really good job of building them up as like the best tag team in all of AEW. Yeah, I do feel like the being a rehash of they've kind of become to me like I'll probably appreciate their run more once it's over. But while I'm in it right now, I'm sick of it. I, I keep wanting them to lose and I picked them to lose, even though you were 100% right that they once again kind of snuck their win out. And I think that's maybe why, like, because last pay per view, and I, well, I can't think, they faced Red Dragon and Young Bucks. The Bucks. It was the Bucks. Like, it felt like last time, yeah, they snuck that one out and I was okay. But now they snuck another one out here and another triple threat. Like, they have to lose these belts here. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I, I 100% agree it was a great match, but I'm just sick of the Jungle Express, Jurassic I Express. Son like, of a bitch. Yeah, I feel like it's very imminent that they're going to lose the belts. I wonder I wonder what they're going to be doing at the Forbidden Door, if they're doing anything at all. Otherwise, I could even see them losing before All Out to, like, I mean – it has to be FTR, right? Like, I know they're the Ring of Honor tag champs. I know that they're the AAA tag team champions. But, like, they have to be next in line, right? Like, who's going to beat Jurassic Express? Who, like, actually deserves to be the tag champs more than FTR right now? Yeah, I, I mean, FTR is over like Rover. And it doesn't matter. And his faces, ring. too, which is, yeah. like, different. Very and they're weird. really good faces. Like, surprisingly. I didn't think they'd be as good at being a face as they are at being a heel, but they're they're good at it. They get wrestling. Yeah, they're just really good at pro wrestling, apparently. I, I mean, I always knew they were good at the matches, but never felt like they would be the guys. Like, I always thought they'd be, like, tweeners to heels, but they are full-on, like, working-class baby faces right now. Their character work since they got to AEW has improved so much because they actually let them, like, do things. Like in yeah. WWE, they're like, no, you don't get to talk. You don't get to do anything, and then we're gonna make you uh, shave the other guy's back. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is one hundred percent the timeline that they went through. All right, well, moving on to the main event, which was the match that everybody was looking forward to the entire night because Adam Page versus CM Punk is a match that nobody ever thought we'd ever see in our lifetime, and for a championship, it makes it even better. And this match, like, told a fucking story. Like, it went through everything that final promo that they did on Dynamite, like, talked about. Like, it felt like Hangman Page was trying to defend AEW against CM Punk. And I, like, sometimes when they do those spots at the end, like they did in this match, where Hangman Page was conflicted on whether he wanted to, like, be dirty and use the title belt to win this match or not. Like, it really works because, like, I can see his character, like, actually going through that dilemma. And I like the fact that he didn't go to the dark side, which I feel is going to either lead him to the dark side or else it's going to lead CM Punk to the dark side, one or the other. But I also kind of feel like this feud is over. Like, I feel like his Hangman Page put out that tweet saying, like, it was great being champion and now looking back at it. I don't know. It just feels like he's looking forward at other things, which I'm fine with. I'm fine. This was a good feud. And if they move on to something else, maybe they do move on to Malachi Black versus CM Punk, which would be, would be a sweet matchup. But 
Or who's CM Punk facing at Forbidden Door is the real question. It's got to be Okada. It's the biggest match you can put on. It is the biggest match you can put on. That is for sure. Um, but yeah, what were your thoughts on this match? I uh, Once again, the final three matches on this card were all three great matches. This as you're not count, we can't count the you know chaos in the or whatever the fuck we call anarchy it. Anarchy in the arena. Yeah, anarchy in the arena match. This would be top three. I don't really know what order I would put everything in. Besides, the number one is the House of Black versus Death Triangle because I just love chaos matches like that where it's just six guys who all can just cr- straight out go, and it's just that's what they do. But this match, you're right. It told a tale. I really wanted one of them to turn to the dark side in this match, but once again, AEW is about that slow burn, and I just got to respect that, which I do in other storytelling forums. I'm just so conditioned in the WWE that I get everything right away, and there's no slow burn. So it's just, you know, what I want. give me what I want. But One of the best promos of all time, because yeah. he forgot his lines. <laughs> says it over and over and over it's like when Bill I Belichick said we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> but I I love that CM Punk won. He had to win here. And my only I feel like this match might have had too many like near falls to like build suspense. Like it was getting to the point where like and I don't want to sound like the old man yelling at the clouds here. But come on, like, just, like, end it. Like, or don't put so many near fall spots in there. Maybe a few more, like, 10 counts where they're both down or something if you want to, like, have a little bit more of the match drawn out and add some drama or some outside spots. But just so many pinfall attempts and near falls just started attracting for it from me near the end, which made it not my favorite match of the night. And then the, like, aftermath was... I don't know. Like, I wasn't as excited about CM Punk winning the AEW championship as I thought I would be. I think that's because of the show length. Because, like, when the show was over, I was like, thank God. Because I was already an hour behind, for me at least, because, like, all the stuff that happened in the beginning. So it was midnight when I finally got done watching the show. And I was tired. Like, I had a long day. I got up early on Sunday because we had to go out to breakfast with my parents and stuff. Um, but it just, yeah, with it being five hours, it really detracted from my excitement of CM Punk becoming champion. If they would have cut out, like, the four matches and the Martha Hart segment that we talked about, that would have saved them an hour and a half of time. We would have had a three-and-a-half-hour show with all the matches being super solid and CM Punk winning at the end. And we would have been super happy that CM Punk won. The show would have easily been an A if they would have cut out that hour and a half. But since they had that hour and a half in there, I think that, and I'm being generous, I'm going to give it a B minus because the length of the show really, really like hurt the my like grade of the show. Like even though those matches at the end of the show were great. I still felt like I didn't, I wanted it to be over. I wanted this to happen already. I didn't want you sitting there for five hours and watching a show and kind of pissed me off and to top it off with the Bleacher Report stuff and it not working pissed me off. It really 
the show gets a B minus for me. Yeah, I know we said right away it wasn't the worst ever AEW pay-per-view. It was bottom five for me. I really believe that a lot of AEW pay-per-views, I feel like, yeah, I would love to go back and rewatch the whole thing. Because it's like, yeah, the whole show was quite enjoyable. This one, ugh, I'll like, you can, you know, cherry pick the, you know, very beginning, the very end, and you cut out most of the middle. Yeah, this is a great pay-per-view. Overall, though, yeah, I'd say like a B- minus is the perfect grade for this. Because... It doesn't deserve a C because there was such good stuff on it in there, but as a whole package, it just didn't deliver. Yeah, but I do highly recommend you check out uh, at least the response to the question Tony Connors asked about Eric Bischoff's remarks on CM Punk. Like, you're going to laugh your ass off. This guy gets fired up. And then CM Punk's just shaking his head like, yep, yep. You know, I love seeing a guy get fired up. Oh, and then there's another uh, spot with Jade Cargill. They were talking about the Cody Vader. And he, he was talking about, like, uh, how this was supposed to be a one-time thing. But since you guys want it, maybe we'll just keep it. He's like, it cost me about, like, uh, $3,500 a show or something. Or, I don't know. He's like, so basically, he's like, I was going to save myself $150 or $150,000 a year. But I guess if you guys want it. And then uh, Jay Cargo said it's not called the Cody Vader. It's called the Money Lift. So I'm in. I like that. That's a good name for it. All right. Well, that was our AEW double or nothing coverage for the year. And uh, check back next year to hear about what we think about next year's AEW double or nothing. Or just come back next week, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just year. come back next week as well. This isn't a new segment, but it's a tweak to a, an existing segment that we have. And he has problems, and you're going to hear about them. This is Chad's Conundrums. Okay, so I don't want to seem like the old man yelling at the clouds that I always yell at Diesel for being each and every time we do this segment. But I have something to say to everyone who works in the service industry. And that includes whatever, if you're like a server, a bartender, you work at a gas station, you work at Walmart. I don't care. Okay. And listen, this is not coming from a high and mighty place. This is coming from someone who is also a bartender. And I make all my money doing so as such. Stop being a fucking dick about everything. I am not there to ruin your day. Okay. I get it. Your job sucks. I get it. I work the same kind of job. I've worked a lot of shitty jobs. But all of us people who are coming in there are not there to ruin your day. So please don't ruin my day by being an absolute prick about anything and every little thing that you are asked to do. I'm just asking you to do your fucking job. I'm not coming up to you and asking you to run across the store. I have a simple fucking question if there is something in stock. Just answer the question without rolling your fucking eyes at me and then huffing and puffing about it, okay? When I ask for a refill on my beer that is one step behind you, don't look at me like I just punched your mother and told you to fuck off, okay? I simply want a beer. And guess what? I'm going to pay for it, and then you get to keep getting a paycheck, okay? Please. We're not trying to ruin your day. We're just trying to get some shit done. Stop being a prick about everything, people. You're just doing your job. That's all I have to say. 
Well said. I have issues with that too. I had an issue at bowling last night where like they, when you order food, they ask you what lane you're on. So I told them I was on lane 26. This kid went like four lanes down from lane 26. And like, well, did you get the quesadilla? They're like, no. And then you went to the next lane. Did you get the quesadilla? It's like, no. I'm like, okay. Like, hey, I'm like, kid over here. And he's not even listening to me. It's like, dude, lane 26. Look at the numbers. Like, seriously, it's not that fucking hard. Let's do your job, please. Right? Especially, yeah. I mean, yeah. And that was my own slash Chad's conundrum. All right. That sound effect, as always, means it is time for final thoughts. And it's been another great episode. So, Diesel, what are your final thoughts for the week? Uh, my final thoughts for this week are, this weekend, we're actually doing a couple things. On Friday night, Emily and I are going to Beaver Dam because there is this, like, ghost-telling thing, I don't know, at, like, the Historical Society whatever they're gonna be telling ghost stories and like i'm into that kind of shit so i guess beaver dam's like fairly haunted so i'm I'm gonna check that out it's like an hour and a half and like i'm like i can spare an hour and a half for that and uh yeah so we're doing that friday night on saturday night i'm headed to milwaukee i'm gonna go see ajr which i'm pretty excited about um it's at the um the amphitheater at summerfest so, yeah, it'll be the uh, amphitheater. Yep, so, uh, that should be a pretty good time. We bought these tickets like I think in like March of 2021, like when they announced the tour. And then we found out like a month after we bought these tickets that they were coming to Madison. Like they came to Madison last September, I think, or something like that. Yeah, That's I remember I mean. us talking about that on the show. Like, if I wouldn't have gotten the tickets from Milwaukee, I would have. Just went to the one in Madison. It'd be a lot easier, but whatever. It's still going to be a good time. Um, then, yeah, it's Sunday. going to be more of a chill day. Planning on writing some thank you cards and yeah, just hanging out, getting ready for all the stuff that we have going on in June because June's a pretty busy month for us. Or for me, at least. Got dynamite at the end of the month middle of the month which i'm pretty excited about probably won't be an episode of the show of that week just saying probably not but it'll be uh it'll be pretty awesome it's the go home show to forbidden door and yeah i mean oh yeah and i guess hell in the cells this weekend but i'll watch the reviews on youtube about that i'm not gonna sit down i mean i kind of do have interest in the seth rollins Cody Rhodes telling us all match. So maybe, maybe I'll check that one out, but I don't really feel like I need to check anything else out. Yeah, I'll probably end up watching Hell in the Cell at some point, but I'm not gonna go out of my way to do it. Uh, anything else for your final thoughts? Brewers are killing it. And yeah, that's no. really all I got. Oh, also, I'm gonna be on this week's episode of Band from Ringside. This is um, banned from ringside. 
So uh, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. I haven't, this will be my first appearance on Band from Ringside. And yeah, so be sure to tune in on Friday and you'll get to hear me discuss some more AEW and New Japan and uh, WWE. So get excited about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'll definitely be checking it out. Uh, for my final thoughts for the evening, Tonight, uh, a time of recording, we are going to actually try and go to trivia with our wonderful little daughter because they have a patio and it's gorgeous outside. And so she can stay in her car seat and a nice little cover and chill, hopefully, knock on wood. Uh, Besides that, this week, I'm also finally going to get my hair cut on Friday. So Diesel, next time you see me, my hair will be cut. I don't know how. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. We will see what uh, I decide on Friday. So get excited for next week to see what I look like. Uh, besides that, this is just another normal kind of weekend for Allison and I. Um, Allison is getting ready to once again go to uh, New Orleans for a marketing, kind of not a marketing, some kind of conference. Whatever, she gets to go to New Orleans and uh, I get to once again hang out with the coop. So looking forward to that. Besides that, I got nothing else, Diesel. I'm ready to end the show. It's been a lot I'm of thinking. I'm annoy you when other people get to go places for work and like you never do. Yeah. Nah, it doesn't it doesn't feel great. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, I've never had a job where it's like, oh, you get to go to this conference in Florida or whatever. It's like, oh, there's this conference in Vegas. Yeah, you're it's mandatory. You have to go. Oh shucks. Oh uh, shucks. Like I never have had that, like ever never had that opportunity, but someday maybe life goals. Yeah, I guess that's my next goal. I mean, I, I own a house, I'm married, I have a kid, and need something to like try to achieve. So find a job where I get to travel to conferences at least once a year. There we go. Look at Diesel. I'm figuring out goals while we're doing final thoughts. That's why we do this segment every week. But Diesel, do some social media stuff so we can get out of here. You can follow me on Twitter at Diesel underscore VFTR. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad's underscore mind or at VFTR2PO. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram by searching View from the Top Rope Official. You can follow us on Facebook or YouTube by View from the Top Rope. Of View from Top Rope at gmail.com is our email address. Follow Visionaries Global Media at Viz Global Media on Twitter. Send in your podcast to visionariesglobalmedia at gmail.com to be reviewed and added to the network where you'll be heard on Podknife, Potable, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And just so, so many others. As always, just type in Visionaries Global Media or VFCR 2.0 to a search engine and you will find us on a podcasting platform you enjoy. As always, uh, I have been Chad. He has been Diesel. We thank you so very much for listening to this madness that we call a podcast. Hopefully we've gotten you through that boring work day, that workout that you know what, big thumbs up for finishing or whatever else you were doing while you're listening to this podcast. As always, remember, be kind to each other out there. We are all just humans trying to survive on this blue spinning orb that we call Earth. No reason to be a dick about it. And, you know, I just ranted about it a minute ago, so... Stop being a dick. Otherwise, though, remember to always climb up high and enjoy VFTR 2.0.